Welcome to the Vine Time with Melanie Bolek. Today's guest, I have Nick Karabitas, a winemaking consultant who lives in California. Welcome, Nick. Well, thank you very much. Great to be here. Did I pronounce your name right? Very close. You okay, know, some great. of the Greeks would say it a little bit differently than I do, but Karavidas is uh, yeah, how I know it for you right. know, for my 61 years. I got yeah. you. Very good. And then, so uh, where are you from originally? Um, I was born in Los Angeles on Sunset Boulevard in wow. L.A. I grew up in the suburbs of L.A. My mm-hmm. grandfather was a prop master for Four Star Studios and then CBS until his retirement in the 70s. Wow. So it was kind of a uh, North Hollywood Studio City, uh, mm-hmm. Glendale upbringing, yeah. you know, in some, uh, the L.A. basin. So that I just was, came back uh, from L.A. I was there last year. Yeah. So, so I lived there. Was, I lived those in are my roots. And yeah. I always look at myself and I got my start in, in winemaking in Cucamonga. So I'm definitely a SoCal boy. Very good. Well, you know, Southern California has its its treasures like Ojai is one of my favorite places mm-hmm. in the entire world. Uh, we used to escape L.A. every Sunday and go to Ojai for the day, you know. Just right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you're in Northern California now, though. Yes. Yeah, so about uh, about 21 years ago. Um, let's see. When was it? Nin- in 1999, I I was in the old Cucamonga area, which is where I started, and I had been infected with all the little vineyards that I was planting on my own. So I had sure. a five acre and a ten acre, and I was planting these little vineyards. And by the third leaf of of my first plantings, I started seeing some you know really slow push. Right. in my vines and I tested them and they were infected with Pierce's disease. And uh, so I knew that it was time for me to let go of all my entrepreneurial things that I was doing in Southern California, where I was from, if I really wanted to finish out my wine career somewhere else. So I, I moved. Uh, first, I started looking. I looked at a job offer as a commercial nurseryman, which as a winemaker, um, for uh, for a company called Doherty Nursery to take over the Central Coast, and but I that's not really what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in the field half of my time, and I wanted to make wine the other half of my time. So mm-hmm. I ended up partnering with a family in Lodi after scouring uh, multiple wine countries to determine where I was going to move myself and my family. So um, so I'm here in Northern California now. I landed right. in the Clements Hills, which is on the eastern side, uh, going up into the foothills. And, uh, and I'm sitting in my office and warehouse in close to downtown Lodi right now. Fantastic. Yeah. So you're producing some Zinfandel, I presume, up there. Yeah, but- yeah, you know, so so I've been known to do Zinfandel. I'm going back to doing some more Zinfandel. Mm-hmm. I pushed a total reset right at COVID. Most of my work um, going into March 2020, it was like April 1, 2020, was like the the wall that, that yep. and a door that closed on yesterday. Right. And then. April one, I came home and I was traveling four days a week at that time, mm-hmm. and I uh, came home and and kind of reset everything and and I did have several Zinfandels uh, at that time that I was launching out, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and I'm but I'm coming back to it now with a, some very old vine vineyards that I'm overseeing and even brokering into the wine market. Wonderful. And so, are you working for anyone specific, or are you working for yourself, or? I work for myself. So um, I started uh, an organization called The Wine Firm, which is a, a loose heading for 
multiple divisional aspects of the work that I do. It sounds like a lot, but it's really just a, uh, it's just divisions of thought. So I do consulting uh, work for consulting wine, which is my consulting side. I have a, I have a small equipment business that I, if you had asked me two years ago, if I were going to be in the equipment and supplies business, I would have said, no, this is not my thing. Um, so that's called FlexCube West. And that's an equipment and supplies company. And uh, then I do, I'm a, um, a licensed broker for grape and wine broker. And so I take a little piece of a small company and I basically handle from Sassoon across the Delta, Lodi, the foothills and the entire Central Valley okay. as my as a territory for, for that. Mm-hmm. And that's called Vino Tinto uh, Grape and Wine Sales. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I have a small wine company that is now just relaunching uh, from the whole COVID reorganization called the Narcissist Wine Company. Okay. And, uh, and that's what, uh, that's what, that's what this is. Wait, wow. Is that, that right side up or upside down? Yeah, yeah. that's perfect. I can see it now. Yeah. Anyway. Great. So, um, and it's about, it's really about the back label. It's not, you know, the back label is called the antidote, mm-hmm. which is the antithesis or the antithetical response to the connotation of that word. Right. right. Or how loosely it's used in, sure, sure. in society. I mean, it's real. Yeah. I mean, it's real selfish behavior. But right. um, we have people we know uh, or or know yeah. of that we'd say that that's like the epitome of a narcissist, right? Right. Um, and that's how. So that's that's like the fourth division, if you okay. will. And so, with narcissists, what is the blend? It's a Bordeaux blend with Petit okay. Syrah. So it's a Paso Robles uh, wine. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, so. Uh, originally, I I located some vineyards in the Willow Creek and Adelaida region in uh, um, in ni- 2019, and uh, and I started the program. And I uh, right now I'm re-identifying the new vineyards that I'll source from. So I found a 25 acre um, Adelaida mountaintop vineyard that's just gorgeous. Okay. That uh, that was. Actually, a significant chunk of Booker's program before they sold into Constellation. Um, so I'm very excited to be working with that. It's really rare fruit. And although it's not the entire piece of what the narcissist is, right. I had to have a significantly excellent um, uh, West Side fruit to go into to make the character I was looking for in the blend. Sure. And um, so you are organically farming, I presume? Well, it is organically farmed, but okay, it's not certified, which okay. is very common right now. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. And who is doing the certification in California? Uh, well, I mean, CCOF is, you know, the, the certifying agency, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about, you know, USDA and CCOF, you know, organic, those are the certifying agencies. And of right. course, there's many and, and more coming in because sustainability is big business. Of course. Right. So you have anything from Oregon Tilth to, you know, California Sustainable Wine Alliance to right, Lodi Rules and SIP certified. Sure. Right? You have all these different layers now of, uh, of you know, sustainable certifications. Oh, but, but organic is, is CCOF and USDA, and then, of course, you know, biodynamic, uh, uh, you know, through organizations like Rodal and, and, and others. Is there a biodynamic uh, certification? 
Yes, and as very, very few. And in fact, um, I had I, I've, I've done I a little bit. Of, Booker is biodynamic, aren't they? You know, you know, I don't know. They're I know at least that, organic. Yeah, yeah. So, so again, you know, but this this vineyard when they were at a five thousand case range, which was right about the time that that constellation came in, mm-hmm. um, this twenty five acres, one hundred percent went to that program. So. In volume, it was anywhere from 25 to 40 percent of that overall volume. So I know, you know, as far as certified, I don't know, whatever, whatever the details are of it, it, it definitely is organically farmed. Um, uh, you I know, was there but, last year. Yeah. yeah it's I, I drove down from San Francisco. So my best friend had a party uh, outside of San Francisco and I, I drove up the, the one, you know, the middle route, Route 5. And then I drove down through Paso Robles and and then went to Santa Barbara, I believe, and then and then south. So right, I took yeah. a long way home, and it was a beautiful. Right, time. it's worth Booker and got a couple of pictures. It was great. Yeah, it's yeah. it's gorgeous when you're up yeah. on Down Mountain or you're at Booker. I mean, it's just it's just some really beautiful you know scenes you know out of that area. I'd like to spend more time just taking pictures. Right. Absolutely. And so, so getting back to winemaking, did you have a, like, did you, were your parents winemakers or? No, no? no I was, I was that? a surfer, a adrenaline junkie in right. Los Angeles. And so my idea of a good job, which is what I got at an old winery, it was an old Gallo crush facility in Cucamonga, California. Um, so listening to all your last interviews, cause I think I've listened to all of them. Oh, good. Because, yeah. Because, and I'm thinking, Really, I'm like following up after Bartholomew Broadband, and you know, oh, yeah. and all the. You know, I used to sell his wine in LA. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, and I'm thinking, gosh, this, these are like stars. Those are my heroes, right? Sure, and, sure. Well, so I started in Old Cucamonga. I like to call myself a nobody from nowhere, right? In the wine but, industry, but it was it on was it on Route Five? Is it on Route Five, like near Bakersfield? I'm trying to visually. No, no. So, so it's it's like Ontario, California. Basically, it's the. Oh, okay. The, yeah, so it's right up, you know, the, the, you know, Cucamonga was kind of based off of the Cucamonga Peak and these, all these granitic alluvial fan soils that came down off the mountain. Um, and there's a, there's a, um, the, the roadway that comes through there is Highway 15, which is the road that takes you all the way up to Vegas from Southern California, mm-hmm. right? And there's a swath coming down through that Cajon Pass that always is really clean and it's from the wind that comes through that kind of separates that San Bernardino area. Um, But, uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's pretty warm, you know, in that area. I went to work as an 18 year old out of high school. I get a swing shift job at this big crush plant where I think we were doing about 17,000 tons of grapes at this old facility. And there were still at least 15,000 acres of wine grapes in Cucamonga, a lot of Zinfandel, right. But there was, you know, a lot of, you know, of course, the way we said it in those days was Kerrigan, right? Carignan, right. Right? right? So it was Kerrigan and Cinso and Morved and Grenache and lots of Zinfandel. And Zinfandel was like the basis for everything. It right. was, right? It was Burgundy and, you know, and it was all these red blends and all the, the semi-generics of yesteryear, sure. which, of course, most people can't even use those words anymore. And rightly so. I, I, I agreed with that part of that. that sure, uh, sure. That, change yeah yeah so, so well, that's amazing so, that's really it's it's quite impressive that, you know you, your entry into the wine business was sort of from the ground up but so you know that's the best way to learn i suppose right 
Right. But, you know, it was, I had, I got a swing shift job in a crush plant and I surfed in the morning and I made my swing shift job at three 30. And that was like, I died and had gone to heaven. Right. And where did you perfect. serve? Yeah, yeah. I was a union sellerman, you know, making a six Oh three an hour in 1980. And I thought I had just made it, that I had arrived, right. you know. And uh, and then one thing led to another. I, I went into the laboratory at the bottling facility, and it was an old company that had 38 wine retail uh, tasting rooms direct. So it was a direct-to-consumer company. The old, is the, the that was the end of the old era where you could buy as many O2 wine grower licenses in California as you, as you wanted. Right. Oh, yeah. So you so now you can get one bond and and one, you know, one tasting room an O2 wine grower license for a tasting room at the winery. And then you can get one s- satellite uh, mm-hmm. operation. So you can have two tasting rooms. Right. You, well, you could have as many in those days. So they had 38 of them selling 600,000 cases direct. Wow. So it was it was a much different world. It was it was called uh, Brookside Winery. Wow. Yeah. So, cool. so in fact, back in the next in the generational um, uh, evolution of that family, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, the Bien family and the Vachets is now Gen 7 wines um, by the Meritage over in Napa Valley in South Napa. So the next so they picked it back up and tried to reinsert the next generations into right. that old Italian uh, um, you know, or French wine company that right. it was, which I'm using Italian because the company was the Italian vineyard company of Cucamonga, California. Right. That was the old Segun Guas, Segundo Guasti was the, uh, the Italian immigrant that started the whole thing. Okay. So anyway, so yeah, it, it, uh, definitely a funky start, but I ended up falling in love with not just the work of it, but that just the fascination of that, uh, and uh, as an adrenaline junkie, you know, young man, I was, um, always looking for the next thing. I, you know, I was always chasing, you know, shiny objects and sure, short sure. attention span, which I still battle. Right? right. So, um, but it was, there was no limitation when I went to work for this winery and one thing led to another and, and, uh, and I just, you know, just started growing and going to other wineries. Um, at 21, I was um, I was made an offer to go up to Paso Robles in the in the Creston area, which uh, it, it was an it was a winery that was started by Aaron Spelling and Douglas Kramer, the famous you know Hollywood duo, and um, so the, it was the associate winemaker of Brookside that asked me to move up there. His name's Vic Roberts. His winery in the Templeton Gap is called Victor Hugo. So I ended up turning him down and and doing something different, took an associate winemaking job in Southern California because all my adrenaline sports were there. Yeah, sure. And so, um, but you're currently in Lodi and that's where you've relocated, but do you work in Napa or anywhere else? Yeah, so I was I was at a bottling at Orsi on Monday and Friday for uh, one of my good friends, a guy named Christopher Catterton. Uh, Chris ran the marketing and sales for he was the VP of marketing and sales for Bogle Vineyards, and he left there I think a year ago and started something small. And he approached me on my brand, the Narcissist, back in November, and he was uh, doing a Sonoma Hillside Cabernet, and he asked. 
if I would assist and taste his wines and right. and uh, be a, kind of a guiding force in in what he was doing. So we just finished that. We just bottled that wine right. um, this Monday in Hillsburg. Um, I have uh, one of the things that I have is I have multiple tests um, for products that that I carry in my supplies portfolio. And so one of them is, is that we have a 300 barrel test for the Jackson family um, at Vinwood Cellars up in Geyserville um, on a pro- an organic product. It's a barrel spray made purely out of tannins and phenolic compounds to replace sulfur dioxide in barrel gassing. So instead of using sulfur in your empty barrel maintenance, it's this barrel spray that that the historic master cooper, Stefan Redu from the ex-Redu Cooperage developed. And I'm the Western United States for Stefan. And so uh, so I'm in the North Coast doing that. And of course, the the, the vessels and the, the hand-split French oak that are part of the portfolio um, sell all over the United States or just beginning to, I mean, I'm a, I'm a young fledgling company, so I've only been going for about 18 months now and okay. uh, suffering all the, all the startup woes, right? That's what happens, right? That's kind of what I'm doing yeah. too. But you know, it's funny cause like we, we have a video side too. So at some stage we'll get to get out to California and we'll certainly look you up when we do. Um, but we have a video side to it too, where we, we explore food and wine. And if you've seen any of the show, the video show, Vine Time TV, uh, and mm-hmm. and so we have that whole video side and we're kind of, you know, exploring different things, being, doing things internationally. Next year we're going to Lebanon, you know, we might do something in Ireland. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's it's an ongoing thing. But this, I found, is is just really interesting. It's, it's you know, I, I, I everybody had a podcast and I was so over podcast. And then I kind of came into a point this mm-hmm. spring where I was like not doing anything. And I was like, OK, I'm just going to do this. <laughs> here we are just do it. episode just do it. 12 yeah. 12 uh yeah 12 and so um yeah and, and you know it's it's been a very exciting adventure so you know we're just going to keep it going um so where are your where's your family from in greece you know i don't know i my uh, my father was born in italy and his father in greece so we carry the greek surname Oh, okay. um, we actually have family that are vacationing in Greece right now. My where, um, where in uh, Italy? You know, and and you're, you're asking me questions you're that not. my my father never shared. My father was a little bit like me in in one way, or I'm a little bit like him. Um, he he left when when I was a kid, right. um, like nine years old, and he left with a Greek folk dance company to tour all over the world, and okay. he was fairly famous in his own right at Greek folk dancing Mm -hmm. and so when there was movies like jack nicholson's the postman rings twice there was a great dance scene and and my father choreographed that and was in that scene uh as part of it but i never really saw him and never really developed a a relationship with him um but you know we reached out later in life and you know we kind of closed those gaps that are so common within you know society today but uh so i really don't know i I don't know about that i know more of the english roots right. of our family the woodruffs from connecticut <laughs> and uh so i i know a little bit more because i have the uh, last will and testament of matthew woodruff in 1654 and all the lineage through um the american uh, war for independence and then the civil wow. war and that's there's crazy. a, a Woodruff homestead that's still in Connecticut that I've never visited, but I know that's 
Like if I had a bucket list of things like that, that would certainly be on. You go there. And so have you been to Italy? I haven't. I've been to France and I've been to Germany and and England, you know, for wine business. And uh, I haven't really done much, much else. I've been uh, to in and out of Spain, uh, but uh, but not really checking right. out the wine country too much. Uh, were um, you in England doing consultant for wineries there? Yeah, so uh, for 11 years I ran, uh, I was the general manager and director of winemaking for a fairly large winery, like a 30,000 ton facility mm-hmm. in California. And so I did a lot of bottle-ready export work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's something that I wouldn't wish upon most of my friends sure. uh, because just there's just such down and dirty business. But right. uh, the, my first year in London was uh, February of 2014 and at Australia Days. And that was my introduction into the market, working with and meeting uh, my distributor from England. Uh, at the time, they were called Bottle Green. I don't even think they exist anymore. Um, but they did. They, they were quite large. I mean, they were multi-million cases, you know, into the marketplace. Um, so, and I, so I did uh, several products through them. And then I worked with Le Grand Chais from France. Um, I had over 400,000 gallons a year of bottle-ready um, uh, wine that I produced with, uh, with a winemaker, actually a Chelichev trained uh, winemaker. Um uh, that that worked with Lagrange and oversaw the work that I was doing here in California for them, um, and several German companies, et cetera, et cetera. So I did, you know, a million to two million gallons a year into the European Union and, and England, wow. and then the same thing here in the U.S. And then I built a, a, a bottle brand portfolio uh, starting, you know, right around that time in the early 2000s through 2014 when I finally left that company. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, no, I've lived in England too before, many years ago, a long time, a long time before that. Uh, but it's interesting getting back to Italy. I think that there's two parts of Italy that have very strong Greek roots. Uh, one area is Campania. Uh, most right. of you know Greco di Tufo is you know. I mean, look at the grapes. That most of the grapes that are from Campania originated in Greece, which is quite interesting. And there's another area of Sicily, which is the east coast of Sicily, that has an enormous Greek influence. I think the Spanish. Right kind of influenced the northern part of Sicily and Palermo. And then the Greeks, there's amphitheaters built in Termina and places like that. Right. You got to get to Italy. <laughs> I do. I do. I always tease, I always tease my friends when they say, you know, they'll right. talk about Italy or Spain or like, you know, everyone came from Greece in the first place. So it's like, you know, they're all, they're all Greek wannabes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some of the grapes right. came and then some of the other grapes came from Croatia. So there you go. So where do you think Zinfandel yeah. actually came from? Well, you know, that, that whole, you know, Croatian, you know, root thing, right. That, you know, I don't know. It goes right, back as and far forth. As the, every the every time foundation. I turn around, it's either Croatia or it's Primitivo or it's Croatia or it's Primitivo. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and, and whatever, whatever it is, you know, I, I'm, you know, Zinfandel is the grape that I'm most familiar with. A I lot of it. the work that I'm doing right now uh, for vineyards are ancient vine vineyards. So I just, uh, I just wow. contracted, a vineyard called the Faith Vineyard, which is 108 years old on the McCallumie River of Lodi, uh, to Visatui as they're looking at a potential vineyard designate because they have one other vineyard designate, um, about a 70-year-old vineyard called the Pilgrim Vineyard out of Lodi that they've had for 15 plus, I want to say 15 plus years. 
and it, it's grown to such popularity that they maxed out the vineyard and they were looking for some others. So a brilliant um, viticulturist by the name of Mitch Mochizuki, uh, who is their consultant for Satui, um, came out and visited me and looked uh, at this vineyard and and uh, they were pretty bullish on it. So we're going into year one with that. And I have another a handful of uh, old vine vineyards from uh, anywhere from 1915 to 1948, 49, 38, uh, Carignan, Grenache, um, Zinfandel, and multiple blocks. So um, I'm I'm loving that part of this kind of this new season in my life, just because it brings me back to my roots. Everything in the old Cucamonga region was old vine stuff, right? Um, and uh, so it's almost like going back to the beginning and getting to restart with a with you know four decades of knowledge to pump back into it so this is for me this is like the beginning of my career right now so i'm gonna i ask all my guests this what do you love you know i love i love learning Mm -hmm. i i i'm insatiable in learning something new i mean you might hear people say you know i you you want to learn something new every day and I'm really looking for that every day. So a lot of what I'm learning is I go backwards and start digging into everything that I thought I knew and only to find out I know so very little of right. that. So if you were to if you're look behind me in my office, I have anything from ampelographies from 1905 to, you know, all the old, you know, uh, Vern Singleton and Ameren, uh, you know, textbooks from UC Davis that I've carried along with me and I go back to all those and just look at what they were doing compared to what that is or you know all the new information that we're seeing and we're still just scratching the surface so I have so I love learning and I love interacting with people so I I think if you combine those two you're always learning something in the wine business you can never you know everybody wants to say that they know everything about wine and then you turn around the corner and you're like, oh, wow, I didn't know anything about that. So I'm I'm constantly like a student of life. I went to L.A. to learn about California wine because I didn't know that much about it at all. I know I've been working in, you know, for European wine companies, selling European wines, been to Europe and all that stuff. But so, you know, we're always learning. And that's a really good yeah. thing, about, I think. And so I'm just going to wind it um, wind it down. And, and if you want to let me know your song. So, you know, I. As soon as I was hearing you ask this question, for whatever odd reason, the song came into my mind when I was a little kid in Glendale, California, picking up the old discs that that my parents had in the house. And it's Peggy Lee. Is that all there is? Okay, very good. Well, here is your song. Thank you so much, Nick. Have a great day. Oh, hang on. How do do people find you? Uh, They can find me at... um, at thewinefirm.com okay is is the easiest way to find me or are you on uh, winery-consulting.consulting. Yeah. okay and are you on instagram or you're on linkedin yes yes uh yeah linkedin and and uh flexcube west is the name of the equipment company so flexcubewest.com and then uh, uh romancing underscore the underscore vine so romancing the vine is my personal account on instagram oh okay that's great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Here's yeah, your you're very Have a welcome. great day. Thank you. You too. Thank okay. you. It's great talking with you. Bye. Is that 
Break out the boo.